We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. As always, by Michael T.C. Fachi. Do you know what the T.C. stands for? Ah, just lay it on me. What is it? What does it mean? It means Michael the Curse Fachi. Not only were we taking an L last night, Tyrese Halliburton is out for two weeks, Fachi, thanks to you being in the building. So, you know, Chad Buchanan, Kevin Pritchard, maybe you guys need to get some pictures printed up with Fachi's face on it and say do not allow this man into the building when the Pacers are playing because it's not been good for us when you've been in the and when you've been in the building, Fachi. I knew you'd try and put that injury on me. Pacers unfortunately 0-3 with me in the building, so the record is quite better when I'm not there. And the worst part is, Alex, that's three different arenas. That's that's yeah. a, an L in yeah. Indiana, an L in Brooklyn, and an L in the garden. So um the good news, or I guess the bad news, is I have another game in mind. I know which one I'm going to. Yes, I'm not staying away from the boys. I love them too much. All right, so that curse is going to end. And when I went into the garden last night, I told my friends and my wife that I was with, I said, guys, I need a win bad tonight because there's major talks of a curse. And if we can win tonight, I can end those talks. Mm. And things, they, they got worse by the second because we had late scratches, we had injuries, and we had an L. Things were not going my way last night. No, and before we get into the Tyrese Halliburton, you know, obviously injury stuff, we do want to talk about that game just quickly here because what a fun game to be at despite how everything went. Like you said, game starts out, Miles Turner is supposed to be in the starting lineup, late scratch, back spasm, James Johnson starts, right? And so we're like, okay, kind of out of nowhere. Jalen Smith was starting for Aaron Neesmith, who was out. O'Shea Brissett was out with an injury. 
And then, like you said, as the game goes along, the Pacers get down by 20-some points. What was it, 24? 25, at, yeah. 25 at one point. So, you know, they had to claw their way back. And and then in the middle of that, they're, they're clawing their way back. Tyrese Halliburton goes out with an injury, gets stepped on by a Nick and a Pacer. And so it's like, oh, my gosh, like, what are the odds of this? He leaves. We're not sure if he's going to come back or not. Said he's questionable to return. And then all of a sudden, the Pacers go on this huge run in the fourth quarter with just a weird lineup out there. It was Gogo Batadze, right? Yeah. It was, was TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell. I think Jalen Smith was out there. Mm-hmm. Benedict Chris, Matherin was good. Chris Duarte was out there as well. And it was just like this weird combination that we haven't really seen play together. And TJ McConnell, I think, kind of spearheaded everything with his energy. But they let a comeback that got Buddy healed a three to cut it to two. And I'm like, how are the paces in this game, Fachi? I mean, just talk to me. You were in the building. What was it like? I was. So first, I mean, the Pacers are just getting stomped out. I mean, they're down 25. I'm starting to get like the the nice comments from your wife. Like, well, at least we're having fun, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm I'm with two other friends that are Knicks fans. So I'm getting heckled by people next to me, people behind me, people in front of me. And then when the Pacers went on a run, it became such a blast. I mean, it's going wild. Buddy hits a four-point play. I mean, mm. McConnell was was a magician. Goga hits a big shot. I mean, Goga hitting a three. It was like a little bit of everything was happening, and, and it was so fun. The Pacers actually cut it to two at one point, and it, it felt like we were gonna do we were gonna go all the way and make that comeback. But I didn't know being in the crowd what the status was of Tyrese Halliburton. So for such a large span, I'm thinking, when are they going to bring Halliburton back in? Like he's he's rested out long enough that like, we got to bring him back in. And then eventually, you know, I, I realized, okay, this this might be worse than what it is. But in the end, the Pacers were unable to complete the comeback. Like we mentioned, they were down as much as 25. They cut it to two, but that hole that they dug himself in early on, being outscored by 16 points in the first quarter, 21 at at, at halftime. It was too big of a hole to overcome, but we got to see, you know, we got to see some some interesting lineups to start. Um, man, without O'Shea, without Neesmith, without Miles Turner, and without Tyrese Halliburton for the fourth quarter, this Pacers team just, they kind of, I don't want to say ran out of gas, but it was, they were limited. And in the end, it's understandable to catch that L, but at least we saw a fight from them. Yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about this Pacers team is you know there is no quit in this team, Fachi. No mm-hmm. matter what the circumstances are, look, we know Tyrese Halliburton goes down, very awkward fall. I think Isaiah Jackson stepped on him. Isaiah Hartenstein stepped on him, and it looked like it was his foot. And then it gets reported that it was a knee injury, and I'm like, how is it a knee injury? I didn't even see his knee get stepped on, so I'm hoping everything's okay. And it was just like, okay, you got to put you know, your head down. You got to keep going to work and, and figure this out because Halliburton's not going to come back and save the day like he has been doing in the fourth quarter. Who's going to step up and do it? And I thought Buddy Hill did a great job in that second half, really just catching, you know, some offensive firepower. But I love the way this team was playing defense all second half long. They were blitzing. They were trapping. They were doing everything they could to try to muck it up and get, you know, New York on the ropes. And they were. I mean, you could feel it in the crowd. The crowd was getting nervous. I mean, you could feel it on TV. And it's like, I would be nervous too. Like, And it's so hard to play with a lead in the NBA especially when you get out to a big lead like that early in the first half. We've seen the Pacers blow a big lead like that uh, a handful of times throughout the last couple of years just because that's all they would do. It's just like you get this big lead, and now it's like it's hard to take your, you put your, keep your foot on the gas. 
you know, everybody wants to kind of take it off just a little bit because you're up by 25 points. Well, the other team is just going to keep hammering and hammering. Like, you know, we were going to watch something else on TV last night. And I just said, ah, just hold on a second. I said, if they can cut it down to like eight by the end of the quarter, let's see where we're at before we just turn this game. And thankfully, you know, <laughs> I got to watch it all. And my wife was sitting next to me. She's like, started laughing. She's like, they're going to win this game, aren't they? I was like, I don't know. I was like, but they got a chance. When Brunson missed that shot, Vachi, and we got the ball. And I did not like Buddy's shot attempt there. But at the same time, I'm not going to be mad about it because he'd been hitting everything. So it was just one of those things where it's just like, this was a really good effort. Despite everything that was against us, we almost came back and won this game. Don't like the way they started out, but you can take some positives from it. Season high, 31 points from Buddy Heald with me in the building. Maybe he had a little, you know, a little something extra. You know, the juices were flowing. Oh, here we go. But, Come on, <laughs> dude. Hey, don't forget about Duarte scoring 30 with me in the building as well. Let's well, let's just hope he doesn't get hurt now. I know, I know. Oh, my God. But look, the, the lineup in the beginning, that starting five, it, it, ugh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was cold. It was cold. It was, it was wonky. It didn't fit. I felt like, okay, Turner was out. I saw uh, Jalen Smith. James Johnson, I felt like, you know what? Pacers want to play big. They, they want to be able to battle with the Knicks. It didn't work out. We saw Terry Taylor come in really early. They tried that out, like a, about a four-minute stint. Didn't work out. We saw Goga early on where it really wasn't that good, but he finished strong later in the game. Give him credit. Um, there was a couple instances where, you know, obviously things aren't going to go perfect in a 25-point comeback, but there was – McConnell gets a steal and Goga nearly saves it. He dives, but he kept he keeps rolling and he rolled out of bounds. And I was like, oh no. Like yeah. it was just he was just too big, you know? And then McConnell, I know it's just one, but he attempts a three like in the fourth quarter, which I did desperately did not want him to take. And you know, look, he's not gonna get any of the blame because he played very well. It just felt like in in a comeback that's that large, the Pacers almost needed to play a perfect fourth quarter, and that's very hard to do. Let me ask you a very tough question. Oh, man, this sounds tough. Who do you have more confidence in making a three right now, T.J. McConnell or Chris Duarte? It's got to be Duarte because it's looking no, Duarte. But it's, 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 it's not. It's McConnell. I know. McConnell's probably been hotter lately because at least he's made a, a couple, but – for Duarte, man, it, it's just been it's been a rough stretch. Uh, like, he has not had one of those. He made a couple of good plays yesterday, but not on the offensive side of things. Like, it's yeah. he just has not caught rhythm. I, I do think, you know, when we'll get in this, uh, get into it about the status of Tyrese Halliburton, maybe this does create an opportunity for Duarte moving forward, but he definitely needs that opportunity because – if he can't play himself out of this, I mean, it, it's, it becomes easy to lose confidence. Yeah, I mean, I think the game is the game at this point. We don't need to over-talk it anymore. Yeah. I think it'd be smart for us to transition into Tyrese Halliburton's injury here, Fachi. And, you know, I uh, I know the Pacers put out an official report, and then that was kind of shared by Woj and Shams and all the guys that, that shared the news. So um, if people haven't heard it, can you go ahead and read what that report was from the Pacers? Yes, I can. And Alex, you and I were in the same boat. I saw your tweet. I mean, all day, just holding our breath, saying, oh, no, something should have been out by now. But mm -hmm. Woj tweets it out. Halliburton sprained his left elbow and absorbed a mild left knee bruise. He will be reevaluated in two weeks. Alex, I kind of feel like that's that's as good news as could possibly at this point because last night we heard he left the arena in crutches. So with crutches, never a good sign. 
But man, when you're talking about the franchise here, I, I thought this news uh, could have been way worse. And I'm ap- actually happy to hear this is all it is. Yeah, I really wasn't sure what to think because it was kind of an awkward fall. And I had people texting me last night like, what happened? Like, how bad of a fall was it? I'm like, honestly, it wasn't like, it was just really weird. Like, it, he didn't really ever get, like, good balance, I guess, when he came down. And then people stepped on him. I'm like, I really don't know. It doesn't look like it's going to be good. And and sure enough, two weeks and then be reevaluated, that doesn't sound promising either. Because it means, yeah. okay, you're at least going to be out two weeks. You could be out more. And while it's not like season ending or anything like that, it's not like a Victor Oladipo type of injury. It's it's one of those things where it's just like this really stinks because now there's a lot of questions. What do the Pacers do? But I just want to read this to you real quick, Flatchy. The Pacers schedule the next two weeks without Tyrese Halliburton is very difficult. Ugh, of course. They're at home against the Hawks. Then they play the Grizzlies. Then they go on the road for a four-game road trip at Milwaukee, at Oklahoma City, at Denver, at Phoenix, come back home for a quick game, I believe, against the Bulls, and then they're back on the road against Orlando. If Tyrese is able to come back after that stretch, he's welcomed with another matchup against the Bucks and the, and the Grizzlies. So it's the Pacers' schedule is going to be tough, and now they've got this incredibly difficult task to try to win games without Tyrese Halliburton. And I, I, I think if you look at it from – all the different angles, there's a lot of ways you can go about it, but who starts in Halliburton's spot? So I would say my early thought is that we're moving Nemhard to point guard. Um, right, but he's already starting. Yeah, more of a natural position, so I think you're sliding him over to point guard. I think this is a big opportunity for Duarte over here because, you know, right, he needs that confidence. He really does, and I don't – I've never liked – McConnell in the starting lineup. I never have. I always preferred him with that bench unit. So he, I'm thinking we keep Matherin on the bench. We keep McConnell on the bench. We slide Duarte to the starting lineup. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So let me let me just ask you this. Do you think they should start Duarte or do you think they're going to start Duarte? I think they're going to start okay, Duarte. There's no, there's no way that Chris Duarte has earned any no. second of that nope. starting position. Nope. I don't think they're going to start Duarte at all. Okay. What do you got? In my opinion. I honestly think if they don't start Matherin, they're they're fools, in my opinion. But if they don't, I can see them going back to the big lineup with Jalen Smith, mm-hmm. maybe bringing Isaiah Jackson off the bench. But I think they got to start Matherin. There's no way you can go out there and try to get Tyrese's playmaking and, and shot-making ability and his ability to put pressure on defenses with anybody other than Benedict Matherin. That's what they did against Golden State. When they were shorthanded, I think this is the perfect time to get him out there. Look, I understand it might hurt your bench unit. We don't know what's going on with O'Shea Brissett. Duarte is really struggling. But at the same time, I'd rather Duarte get maybe some looks with the second unit and, and, and instead of being in the first unit and, and kind of doing what he's already been doing all year and just stand in the corner. Look, Matherin, this is his time, in my opinion, to get an opportunity. It's Nimhart's time to run the show as point guard. But it's Matherin's time to come into the starting lineup and play for Halliburton and show why he is more than just a six man of the year candidate or a rookie of the year candidate, why he's got a lot of promise to him. Because I mean, last night they ended up starting him with, you know, the injury two miles. They ended up playing him instead of James Johnson to start the second half. And he ended up getting 20 points. That's not an efficient shooting. I understand that you need him off the bench because you need bench scoring, but I think it'd be a big mistake if Carlisle and the front and the coaching staff 
decides to find someone else to put in there instead of Matherin. And it's not about Matherin needing to start. I just think you miss Halliburton's playmaking and what he does so much that you need Matherin in there to kind of make up for some of that. Yeah. I think if they do go the route of Dorte, I, I think it could end up being something that they, they continuously shuffle because it's probably not going to be that great. Uh, I really hope that it, it could be. But you make a great point that you need to overcompensate for a lot of missed production. And no one's going to be Tyrese Halliburton. But you need something more than what you're getting out of Chris Duarte right now. So I think that Matherin could provide that for you. I, I really do. And I, I think the Pacers have to seriously look at that. Because at some point, we, you know, we've all said, okay, when is he going to go into the starting lineup? He started, I believe, two games this year. I, I think that now is, is a good opportunity for that. I wonder if the Pacers do that move. But I do like your point about sliding Jalen Smith back into the starting lineup. So that, that's something that's unique as well. I mean, we know that it didn't work out super great with Jalen Smith in the starting lineup, and we know this team is better with four guards and Miles Turner. Yes, they are. That's what their best lineup is. So, you know, I think it does make some sense to just insert another guard. And like you said, you don't trust McConnell at this point. And honestly, it doesn't make sense. McConnell needs to be the backup point guard because you're without Halliburton. So keep McConnell in his role. So you're really talking, okay, is it Duarte? Is it Benedict? Or maybe do you play O'Shea in the starting lineup? But O'Shea is dealing with an injury right now. I think it's a hamstring injury. It, it is a hamstring. He's questionable for the Hawks game. Okay. So he it, it might not be that bad. Yeah. It could be minor. We're just not really sure yet. It's not really been like over um, reported in terms mm-hmm. of what he's dealing with. And there's not been like a timetable. It's more of a day-to-day type of injury. So like I said, not worried about that. But they do have a plethora of big men. And that's why it could make some sense to... Maybe a start, Jalen Smith, just because he's comfortable with that group already playing with him for a majority of the season, has the chemistry down with him. You don't lose that scoring punch in Matherin. Maybe you can play a little bit uh, faster with Isaiah Jackson off the bench and try to do something different, you know, because Isaiah Jackson does provide that. But at the same time, I wouldn't be opposed to them giving Goga some looks as well, because I think Goga earned minutes last night. He did. Because he played well. I, I think yeah. I think Scott Agnes brought this up when he was on with us a couple weeks ago. Goga just needs time. And when Goga gets time to play and get in a rhythm, he plays better. So to me, it's there's a lot of different ways you can go, but I think the only right answer to me is is Benedict Matherin. But I understand why you don't do that if you're worried about the bench scoring, but I just don't like that. I think, it's a, I think that's a lame excuse. I think you can make your substitutions work out where you get one of Buddy or Benedict back with the second unit, even if you start both of them. It is a lame excuse because when you're bringing up playing the likes of Milwaukee, Memphis, I'm sorry, but you're not beating those teams unless you do something different. You know, like you have to switch it up. And I feel like Matherin being unleashed in the starting lineup gives you a better chance. Mm-hmm. And and yes, he could still play a lot of minutes coming off the bench, but I just feel that we don't have that same confidence in really anyone else to take their game to the next level. So I do think that that's something they need to look long and hard at. And against the Hawks, I don't know whatever lineup they roll out there, if that's going to be the lineup moving forward for the next few weeks. But it's definitely going to give us better insight. And I do think the Pacers will get some guys back because we have we do have Brissett, Miles Turner, and Neesmith all questionable against the Hawks. And none of those injuries or absences felt like they would be long-term. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to keep an eye on Miles Turner's injury as well because that's a big loss. And it is. 
you know, if he's not able to play, then you got to start Jalen, obviously, at the five. And then you got Isaiah Jackson backing him up with Goga being your emergency center. You know, it, it, it's there's ways you can play. Thankfully, we have a lot of depth at the center, but we don't have a lot of depth in terms of talent <laughs> for the center position. So losing Miles, I mean, you saw it last night. It's a big loss. And trying to find that player to, to fill in, it's just going to be like a committee type thing. And whoever's playing hot at the moment gets that get that gets that time to shine at the center position without Miles. But let me ask you this, because now that we know Halliburton's going to be out for the next two weeks, it's going to be tough. Eight games. And if Halliburton is even out longer than that, because he's going to be reevaluated after the two weeks, we don't know when he's going to come back. I don't know if you have an ant- anticipated time frame there for him. I know what I'm thinking, but I'd like to hear your thoughts first. I think the Pacers should play it safe. Look, here's the thing over here. I know we're ahead of where expectations were and, and things are going great. We're currently the, in the seventh seed, you know, 24 hours ago, we were in the sixth seed, but there's bigger things because if this injury lingers, then everything could collapse. So we saw the Pacers say for when Chris Duarte was hurt four to six weeks, he was out for the full timeline on there. Mm-hmm. They did not bring him back early. It was the full six plus weeks with two games in the G League. So I, I don't. They're not, like, not going to put Halliburton in the G League. I don't think so. But I, I feel that they're going to take their time. If they're saying reevaluate in two weeks, I believe two weeks from now they'll reevaluate. Probably keep him out a little bit longer. And this is someone who's always itching to play. So if they say two weeks, I'm thinking three to four. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, my thought is you don't bring him back till after the All-Star break. I feared that. I really did. And here's another thing. You're talking about they don't bring him back to after the All-Star break. A guy like Tyrese Halliburton battling for his first All-Star nomination, I think he'd be itching to play in that game. And, and I, I do think I'd be surprised if he missed that game. Even though the season is a bigger thing, this would mean so much to him. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe if he knows he's going to get – voted into the all-star game, which we'll know. I think if he's able to, you know, at least try it out, maybe he test uh, test his leg out and his elbow out uh, a game or two before the all-star break just to kind of see if he can do it. But I just think at this point, obviously, anytime you get a reevaluation, it doesn't seem like it's promising in my opinion. So now you kind of have to play it by ear. And, and that's kind of where I'm at with this whole entire situation because it's really tough. I mean, I hate this for Tyrese because he's having a terrific third year a breakout season, so much love for him in that mid-season media survey that we just talked about on one of our last episodes. And now the guy might even have to miss the All-Star game because of a stupid injury that was like such a freak thing. Like, you know, it's like the same thing that happened with Oladipo was such a freak thing, but obviously it was a much different type of team. It was a different type of team and a different type of injury, you know. And and so now I'm curious because not sure when he's going to return, but how do you – want the Pacers to approach the trade deadline knowing that Halliburton potentially could be out up until it or after it. That's things got so much trickier over the last 24 hours. If you asked me this question yesterday, I'm saying, I think we're buyers. I think we are because the Pacers still have money to fill They're, they're I believe it's $15 million below the minimum on what they need to spend. So they're going to need to figure out that whether they're giving players raises or they're acquiring a bigger contract, but they've now put themselves in position that if this injury is not that bad and he can return in three to four weeks, 
The Pacers still have an opportunity to go out there and be buyers. I don't think this injury is bad enough to the point where they need to turn in a completely different uh, direction and, and do anything bold like trading, you know, Miles and Buddy. But now it's, uh, you know, if Halliburton is going to miss over a month, you know, it really puts you in a position where are you going to go, not to say all in, but are you going to really go hard to maybe just make the plan compared to a playoff spot? So I got one foot in, one foot out, just really hoping that this injury is no more than three to four weeks because if the Pacers are really to push the chips in and it's and things don't go well over the schedule that you named, it, it might not have uh, been everything we hoped for. Well, I mean, here's what you have to look at it. I think you have to give this group of guys the next three weeks to kind of prove themselves. And if you're Kevin Pritchard, you're kind of just sitting here on your hands we're not going to make a drastic trade unless we get like an ungodly offer that we can't deny, but you got to play this up to as close to the trade deadline as you can. Maybe the week before see where this team's at. If this team's lost, like, you know, 75% of their games without Halliburton, do you pivot? Do you realize, okay, look, without Halliburton, we're going to be a team that's not even close to contending. Do we pivot and start looking at what we thought we were going to do at the beginning of the season and position ourselves for a better draft pick. But I think at this point, it is way too early to make that call. It is. Some people will right now are already saying, okay, Halliburton's out for the next two weeks plus. You got to shut the season down. Well, here's the thing. Andrew Nimhard is a quality player that we got to give him a chance before we write him off. Everybody this season that we thought about, the everything we thought about the pace of this season has gone the opposite way. Okay, so this team has overachieved. They've got a great coaching staff. They've got a coach that knows how to mask the holes on this team. They're going to miss their best player. You're going to see it. You're going to feel it on a night-to-night basis. But I wouldn't count this team just out yet. That's why I'm saying let's see what happens the next three to three and a half weeks before the trade deadline. And if this team really starts to plummet and they really start to fall, then you rip the Band-Aid, tell Tyrese, look, get yourself healthy. We got two months, basically. We're going to be a play-in team, and it's going to be very hard for us to really make any noise in the playoffs because of where we're at. Let's position ourselves for a better draft pick. But don't get to that point until you see what this current roster can do without Halliburton for the next three to four weeks and give them a fair shot to prove themselves. But the last thing I want to see is what happened when Oladipo went down. And, you know, what if Halliburton's injury lingers and he's out for the rest of the season? Like, we still don't know if that's the case. We know it's just two weeks right now. But I'm just saying, like, when Oladipo went out for the year, they went out and got Wesley Matthews and got absolutely embarrassed in the playoffs by the Celtics. Yeah. That was the worst-case scenario. Once Oladipo went out, I know the team was playing well. They probably, in retrospect, should have traded some of those veterans. They should have. Got a better draft pick, and things might have been different for them heading into the next season. But it's okay. That's part of life. They they were honoring what their players wanted. I think that's one thing that Kevin Pritchard, he's going to have a tough decision to make. He's got two ways to go. Keep it together and see what happens. Maybe Halliburton comes back and they make a run in the playoffs. Or, bigger goal in mind, trade off some assets, get yourself a better position in the draft, and maybe you can continue to grow this team for the future. Because I think looking at this season right now and only focusing on this season is a little bit short-sighted, Fachi. Bigger picture, what's the better plan for this team? You got to let it play out for the next, like I said, three to four weeks. But that's where I'm at because if it's not good in the next three to four weeks, I don't understand what the point of trying to keep this team at 500 is. 
My God, I got so many points to make. Here's what I'm thinking. One, if the Pacers had gone that other route and they do make some trades, uh, we wouldn't have ended up with Goga because I think that's exactly what happened. The Pacers push forward. You end up taking Goga like 18th in the draft, and, and, and it's just not really what you really hoped for. Second, uh, great point because here's, now we're officially – I sold myself on going for the playoffs – just a short while ago. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like in this wait and see. I feel like I, I got the car as like a rental and I'm really feeling it out. I got a couple minutes, a couple weeks before I decide if I'm going to sign on the dotted line. And that's where we're at right now is like, I got to see, is this car going to break down while I'm just, you know, borrowing it, testing it out. And over the next few weeks, we have a four game lead on the 10th spot for the play-in. So it's wiggle room. It's It's not a lot. But it's it's enough to get a feel of, okay, if the Pacers over the next three to four weeks fall out of play-in territory, I don't want to push forward and make a trade that could potentially jeopardize us long-term. Because I could live with it if this roster sticks together and they're, you know, say they finish the year in that six, seven, eight spot-ish, like over there. All right, sure. If we're clinging on to the 10th spot of the play-in, it, it, this, that might have been basically the worst case scenario. My last point, Alex, was it the Fachi curse or was it the Woj Pod curse? Because here's the thing: Turner talked a big game. He goes on the pod. Things weren't great after that. Halliburton goes on the Woj Pod. We catch an L. He gets hurt. Here's what I'm thinking: I want us to get recognition. I don't know if I need it happening on the Woj pod anymore. <laughs> I love that you're trying to deflect all the Fachi curse over to Woj. Come on, man. I got to save face out here, man. Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, at the Bill Fitz, why not? I mean, I think, honestly, the Woj pod is just, I mean, and Woj is like, well, yeah, last time we were on here, we were talking about, you know, places Miles Turner might want to go. And I'm like, dude, you're so full of yourself, man. Like, I don't I even know. I can't stand listening to the Woj pod, to be honest with you. I never listen to it unless the Pacers on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's just, I don't know. I just find Woj should be kind of obnoxious sometimes. But, you know, does a great job of reporting the news, don't get me wrong, or, or being a, a or being a mouth for agents that he likes and gets information from. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, you hate this for Tyrese. I mean, it is a, such a bummer. And, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like, I don't care about the season. I don't care about – the record, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about anything other than Tyrese getting healthy because yes. Tyrese is the face of the franchise. He is the guy that you want to be healthy and be happy. And so, I think the Pacers have to really consider what does Tyrese Tyrese want with this team and with his injury. If if it's going to be a long term thing, will he sign off and buy into you know maybe going a different direction, or does he say no? Let's keep this team intact and give me a chance to come back for a play and run that kind of thing. I mean, you have to be very careful with how you handle him in terms of his emotions. But I think Tyrese is mature enough to understand the business side of this thing. And he's still young, but I think already hearing how he talked about the trade that happened with Sacramento and how he's kind of said that he overreacted. He was too emotional. I think that that he's aware of that. And so maybe looking at it as a player, like, nah, man, don't trade, buddy. Don't trade Miles. Don't do this. Don't do that. We, we got a chance, man. We're special. You know, I agree. This team is special. I'm just saying if the opportunity presents itself to get yourself a better draft pick, then why not? But even like you said, if they're in the 9-10 spot, there's still a good chance they could be in the top 10 of this draft. So that's mm-hmm. not the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario was being like sixth 
and being stuck there and not having a, a real chance to compete against one of Milwaukee, Boston, or Philadelphia in a playoff series. And you end up, you know, getting swept in four games and then you're drafting at like 18. That sounds awful. Yeah. I mean, the, the the Pacers, for a while, they were, like, addicted to picking 18th overall. Just kept, you know, with all the the, the TJ Leafs and, and the Gogas and Aaron Holland. And Aaron Holland. All those guys, it, it's just – there's such a – their ceiling is so limited as just being kind of rotation guys. But I'm with you on this. Look, the Pacers need to handle Halliburton's injury very, very cautiously. Now, I know they handled – Oladipo, they kept him out for a long time, but Oladipo's injury was far, far worse. But there's been something along the lines of whether it was Oladipo's injury and, and how the Pacers handled it that changed their relationship. And and I felt like I don't think necessarily the same thing happened with Paul George, but there was also, you know, pre-leg injury Paul George, who seemed to love everything about being with the Pacers, and post leg injury, Paul George. And I just mm-hmm. want to make sure whatever we're going to do, no matter how long we hold them out, we do it professionally with with Halliburton's best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. And I know he's a competitor that's going to be itching to get out there. But there's, just like you mentioned, there's a bigger picture. This is a guy heading towards a rookie max extension. Let's Let's pump the brakes and make sure that he is the priority here. Right. And and I want to just reiterate, I am bringing up different scenarios, but my first and uh, the first scenario that I brought to the table was let's play this out. And that's where I'm at. They've got to play this out. Yep. And I don't I don't think they should just jump the gun and start no. making trades and be nope. sellers. Play it out. Let these guys prove themselves and then go from there. Because I know some people are like, man, I want to just keep this team together. And I totally get that. You know, that's why I'm saying give these guys a fair chance. They've earned it. They're 23 and 19 right now, and there's a lot to be excited about. The way they've played this season, the way they've been able to overcome adversity and just really gel together as a team, it's too fun of a season, and this is a too good of a group to just throw it all away because of one injury that might cost a guy two to three weeks. So let it play out, see what happens before you get super dramatic with everything. But I do think that it might shift a little bit from them being potential buyers to sellers now. Yeah, that, that can very well happen, but there's plenty – examples of like and i'm not saying this is gonna happen to us but the celtics years ago when Kyrie irving went down everybody panicked and they end up going to the eastern conference finals i think it was game seven against uh lebron and the Cavs. like Mm -hmm. they went on a run without Kyrie. i'm sure there was a little bit of panic early on look we're not at that point but i do think that this team when we talked about it and the, uh, the amount of upset wins they have it leads the league anything could happen and i know halliburton has been the engine of that but Nemhard has looked good in the minimal absences that Tyrese Halliburton has has gone through. So I do think that he will take his game to the next level. Maybe maybe Benedict Matherin steps up, you know, even even more and looks like the guy he was at the beginning of the season who was dropping, you know, 20 to 30 points a night. Guys could step up. So don't start, if you're the Pacers front office, don't start picking up the phone and panicking. Let's give it some time. Let this team feel themselves out. And I don't think that this is going to happen overnight where all of a sudden against the Hawks, this team looks unbelievably good and we go on a run. It's a, hey, one night could be one thing. Another night could be another. But we need to hang in there and try and tread water. If we can be around 500 without Halliburton, that might be the best case scenario out there. So, Mm, yeah, you know, maybe even just, could we be a little bit below 500? I can live (laughs) with that. 
Yeah, I mean, just think about our point guard situation last year compared to this year. I mean, we'd be screaming, okay, we're done. I mean, oh my God. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, Keeper Sykes, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. being the point guard. I don't really see him as a point guard. I mean, he had a nice game in Phoenix the other night. That was pretty cool. He did. And, and let's just talk about that for a quick second. Okay. Because we know that this Pacers core loved Dwayne. Yeah. Great, great locker room guy. Like, was really getting better as the season went on. And he's had some actual pretty good performances for Phoenix. I, I yeah. think he's dropped 20 points like at least twice uh, this year. I want to say he had like a 25-point game. So it, it was kind of a shame that in order to have any chance at making uh, the DeAndre uh, Ayton sign trade work, they had to cut. They had to waive, you know, Dwayne. And, and unfortunately, you know, Phoenix did sign him. But do you think, is there a world that you could have envisioned him being like a big part of this team yeah, I know. And I mean, Nembhard no stepped up and it's just... No, it's not even that. It's like Duarte can hardly get minutes. I mean, I that know. was the whole it's problem. Tough. We had too many cards. We have way too many we, guards. Oh, and that's the problem now. But anyway, like, we got a lot to talk about here, obviously. But let's go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. We're going to have another episode talking about everything that came out with Jake Fisher and his article. So we're going to have that on a separate episode coming out in the next day. But wanted to spend a lot of quality time talking about Tyrese Halliburton. Thought it was very well deserved because this is a big deal a lot of different scenarios that play here pachi but with that being said go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media absolutely so you could find us on twitter at setting the pace three you could find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on instagram at pacers talk you can find us on facebook at setting the pace you can find us on tiktok at setting the pace and alex Tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and let us know what you think of our content. We'll be having some more videos upcoming soon. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're ready to break the curse that you have set on this Pacers team, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.